0: Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries. This is today's episode of our Truth Tidbits as we continue reading through the scriptures this year. Welcome to you. I'm so glad you joined us. We are in the book of Romans, and today we are going to look at Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. And we have spent many weeks and weeks In this book because it is so rich and so powerful and we don't want to rush through it. So I encourage you to go back and catch some of the other episodes, but this is Paul's great treatise on the gospel. And right now we are in the section, the final section of his book, chapters 12 through 16, and we are looking at Paul's directives to us about daily living as believers, as Christians, as those who have put our entire faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross alone for our salvation, and now have been justified by faith alone and empowered by the Holy Spirit to live this life as one body in Jesus Christ, both Jew and Gentile believers together. And so Paul is focusing in this section on how do we do that. And he's getting into practical nitty-gritty areas. He talked about government in in some ways. He's talked about uh, not repaying people for evil, evil for evil. He's talked about taxes. He's talked about owing no person, anything but to love them because that's an obligation that everyone is under and remains under all of our life. So now we're going to pick up in verse 11 of chapter 13. And to do so, I'd like to read the remainder of chapter 13, because this is part that we will be talking about today. Paul writes in Romans 13, verse 11 through 14, And do this knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent and the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. So this is a very important topic and section that we will be talking about today. And it's very pertinent even more so now, 2,000 years after Paul wrote it. So let's look at this. He says, in addition to everything I've told you so far, and do this, so couple this with it. Do this also. Put this into practice. And so he says, stop sleeping He says to get serious and to live that way. Paul is now going to explain to us why we need to do that and what he means in terms of how to do it. So first he says that it is high time, meaning it's now immediately, right now is the time. Don't put it off anymore. The days of playing games, the days of not being serious, the days of just kind of being drowsy about the things of God. Those days are long gone. Paul says it's high time. It is now immediately right now in this present moment and from this moment on time to wake out of sleep. He says that we need to be knowing the times. We are to get serious and live that way. First, because we know the times that we are in. This word is talking about discerning the day and the season that we are living in. And friend, we are living in what the Bible calls the last days. When he says here that we are to know the time, it is actually the kairos, which means the appointed season the specifically designated time or season. It's like the date. It's like if you make a date for a, for a lunch with a friend or for dinner with friends that you may have or family members, that's a specific date. You set your wedding date. It is a specific appointed time. That's what Kairos is. And so Paul says here, we need to know the kairos time that we are in. We are living in appointed, specific days. And they began, according to Peter, in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, verses 16 through 17, let's read this. We'll start in verse 14, actually. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what, what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. And then he goes on and he talks about some other things that will happen in the latter part of these last days. So the last days began with. The church age began when the church was born on Acts chapter 2, according to Peter. These are the last days that we are living in. Now, that was 2,000 years ago. How much more true is that now? How much closer are we to the end of those last days now than we were 2,000 years ago? And so what Paul is talking about here, I want to turn back way back in the Old Testament and pick up something because Paul is talking about here the fact that we are knowing the days and the times that we are living in. We are knowing this is our Kairos appointed season and it is called in the Old Testament the last days. So let's look and let's get an example from someone from the Old Testament. And to do that, I want to read in 1 Chronicles chapter 12. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, we see the gathering of various mighty men, soldiers, etc., joining together with David from all the various tribes. And I want to read a few of these verses, but I really want to hone in on one particular verse. In this passage, I'm going to read beginning of verse 16 through 18, and then we'll jump down a few verses from there. In First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 16, it says this, Then some of the sons of Benjamin and Judah came to David at the stronghold. And David went out to meet them and answered and said to them, If you have come peaceably to me to help me, my heart will be united with you. But if to betray me to my enemies, since there is no wrong in my hands, may the God of our fathers look and bring judgment. Then the Spirit came upon Amase, chief of the captains, and he said, We are yours, O David. We are on your side, O son of Jesse. Peace, peace to you and peace to your helpers, for your God helps you. So David received them and made them captains of the troop. Then jump down to verse 22, and we'll read verse 22 and 23. Verse 22, it says this, For at that time they came to David day by day to help him until it was a great army like the army of God. Now these were the numbers of the divisions that were equipped for war and came to David at Hebron to turn over the kingdom of Saul to him according to the word of the Lord. And then he begins to list of all the different tribes of Israel, those who came in the number of those. Jump down to verse 32. Of the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200 and all their brethren were at their command. So the sons of Issachar are specifically noted here as a part of that great army of men that were coming to join forces with David. But the key factor for these people was that they had understanding of the times. They discerned the times and the seasons. They discerned that God had put and appointed for David to rise to be king. They discerned that he was God's appointed and anointed person for that position and that they needed to join with him. They discerned what the tribes of Israel and the people of God must be doing and being involved in. I wanted to point that out from the Old Testament because that's an example of what Paul is telling us here in Romans chapter 13, that we are to be knowing the times. And Paul takes it for granted and do this knowing the times, knowing the time, knowing the season. He takes it for granted that we are already discerning the days in which we live. So we need to have that discernment and be like the sons of Iscar. So the next question is, what is the time now? What is our time? Even in Paul's day, he knew it was high time. In other words, It was the immediate time right now to get serious about God. And so how much more for us 2,000 years later? So he says it's high time. It's that limited marked out portion of time like a season of the year would be, for instance. It's that eventful season or that destined period of time. Now, He says it's high time. For what? That's the next question we need to answer. What does this specific season require and warrant from us in our life? He tells us, awake out of sleep, rouse yourself out of any stupor, out of lollygagging around, out of being lazy, get up. It's time to get up. The night is gone. The day is at hand. And the daytime is when you need to be up and about and doing the work. He says to wake up, to rise from our slumber, shake off drowsiness, shake off sleepiness, shake off procrastination, and shake off laziness. The reason? is because in this immediate present time, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Now I want to explain this a little bit, because salvation is used many times in the New Testament, and most of the time when people hear that word, they think about the salvation of our souls from sin, that happens when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and we are justified by faith in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've called upon his name and we are saved. We are justified by faith in Jesus and in his finished work alone. And our names are then written in the Lamb's book of life. That is true. That is a biblical understanding of salvation. However, that is the beginning of salvation. It is not the whole complete understanding of it. That is only the beginning. That's where it starts, but it includes much more. It's like being in a family, being named and having siblings and being a part of a family. You might be born on one day, but there's much more you have to look forward to. There's much more that's a part of your life. Being born, being created and crafted by God in the womb and then born into the world is only the beginning. After that, there's much more for you to learn. There's much more for you to do. There's much more for you to accomplish. So being born again is the starting point. But God has promised much more for us. There are promises he gives to us about this life and the life to come. And Paul is primarily referring here to the salvation of our bodies. Our souls have been saved. We are justified by faith written in the Lamb's book of life and looking forward to heaven in the coming time when God will call us home. But that's what Paul is referring to here. It's called in another place the redemption of our bodies. That's what Paul is speaking of here. He is telling us that that salvation, that rescue, that time when we will go to be with the Lord is closer now than it was when we first believed in the Lord. That's what he's saying. It's nearer here. So this salvation he's referring to is beyond our initial faith. It speaks of all of the covenant blessings that are brought to us and promised to us in Jesus Christ, and more specifically, the ultimate promise of our life together with him in a glorified body, being with him from now on into eternity where he is. He's talking about specifically going to be with Jesus. So I want to speak on the rest of this time on this topic and help it under, help us understand what that means to us now and that's what paul is addressing here so first of all let's look at a few places in the scriptures because you may not realize maybe you do maybe you just need to be reminded but this place that we are in right now this earth our life here is not our permanent home. We are pilgrims here. We are strangers in this earth. We are passing through and we've been promised a time when we will live with Jesus. We have been promised as the bride of Jesus Christ that he will come and get us and we will be with him forever. We've been promised eternal life. And so I want to read a few scriptures about that. John chapter 14 beginning in verse one, says this, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, or that word can be translated rooms, means chambers. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Praise God. Jesus himself gave us this guarantee, this promise of that coming day when he will come back and he will gather his bride to him and he will take us to be with him where he is. Then let's turn over to 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 13 through 18. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep or those who have died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep or who have died. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord." Therefore, comfort one another with these words. This is the salvation that Paul is speaking of. We call it the rapture of the church. Now different people have different opinions about when this is going to happen and how it's all going to play out. And it refers to that time when Jesus, it does exactly what Paul prophesies in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and he tells us when he's coming, and he's going to descend and gather us to him. Both those who've already died and believed in Jesus Christ, they will be raised at that point. This will be their resurrection, and those who are alive at that point, and we will be changed. Paul tells us about how that's going to happen in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I want to read verses 50 through 58 of First Corinthians chapter 15. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or all die, is what he says here, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So, when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. These are Paul's words, and he describes for us how we're going to be changed in that moment, in the twinkling of an eye, in a split second that you can't even measure in time. It's beyond being able to be measured. It will happen so fast. The dead will be raised, the dead in Christ, those who have died believing in Jesus, but yet experiencing that physical death. They will be raised to life. Jesus promised he would raise us up in that last day. He's going to raise us up and we are going to see him. I want to also look at Luke chapter 21. I want to read verse 28 and then I want to jump down to verse 34 and read a few verses. Verse 28 of Luke chapter 21. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads Because your redemption draws near. Now to understand what he's saying, you go back and you read Luke 21. You can also read in Matthew 24 and in Mark chapter 13. These are the three chapters that give us these details. And Jesus tells us about various things that will happen as the day grows closer to his actual coming. But Jesus tells his disciples here, when you start to see all of these things happen, look up and know that your redemption, in other words, the redemption of our body, that resurrection time, when we will be gathered to him and we will receive a glorified body and we will live with him forever, that time is coming soon when we start to see these things. And that should give us hope, it should give us comfort, Paul says, and it should give us motivation, Paul is talking about here. Then in the same chapter, verse 34 through 36, gives us some further direction from the mouth of our Lord Jesus himself. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come on you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So this is talking about that coming day and how we are to live in anticipation of it and expectancy of it and what that means in our daily life. So he's talking about that day when we will be in our bodies will be redeemed. We are redeemed by the blood of Jesus, but now we're waiting on the day when we actually be physically present with him in a brand new body. And that's what he's talking about here. So he's speaking of this coming day when Jesus gathers us to himself, and we will live with him forever. Another place that tells us about that coming day and that coming life, that coming place where we will be with him, is in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11. I want to read verses 9 and 10 and then 13 through 16. By faith, He dwelt, he's talking about Abram here, by faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. And we're told about that city in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. Go on down in Hebrews 11 to verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland, and truly if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return but now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. God has prepared a city for us. Hallelujah. We have a home that we are going to. And Paul's point here is that that day, when we will actually get there and be able to be with Jesus face to face and live in that home with him forever is drawing nearer and nearer. It's nearer now than when we first believed and even much more so now. We're going to stop here for today and pick this up and conclude it in the next episode just for the sake of time but I pray that this has been a blessing to you thus far and that you will join me again in the next episode. I'd also like to just commend to you a few other series that I have done if you're more interested in finding out more about this promised land that we have, the promises that we have to look forward to of the coming of our Lord and what that means to us and our home with him, I want to just mention these to you. I have three particular series that I'd like to just let you know about. One is called Back to the Future, and it was a study of the book of Revelation that I did, and these are in the archives. I also have one called Thy Kingdom Come, where I really dealt with the millennial kingdom and the things that Christians have to look forward to in the coming days. And then I did one called Beaming at the Bema, and this is talking about what we have to look forward to in terms of the judgment that Christians will be facing and what it really means. It's not something to fear, but it's something to prepare for and to be excited about. And so I just wanted to mention those to you. You can certainly look those up they are a series of lessons, and they are in the, in the archives, so you can find those on this channel. I pray that this has been a blessing to you, and Lord willing, you can join us again for more episodes of our Truth Tidbits. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.